Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode 90 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Betsy Butler. Betsy is from Effingham, Illinois, and she is a hairdresser who owns her own beauty shop. Welcome, Betsy. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you today. How's the weather up there? (laughs) We're having some very dreary weather here. Well, it's actually nice today. The sun's out. It's last two days. It's been kind of nice. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm looking forward to the sun. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll be May. So hopefully we will have a lot of sun then. But we're having a very dreary late winter here. So the sun sounds nice. Yeah, we've had a lot of rain. Yeah, it's been a wet, wet winter here. You know, I like to start off by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? I started officially January 1st of 2019. I've 
dieted up and down my entire life. I've been overweight since first or second grade. And it's just always been my biggest life challenge of never being able to really get a grasp on how to take care of it. By when I was 23, I hit my highest weight of right about 290 pounds. And I'm only 5'4. So that took quite a toll on my body. And, you know, I figured, well, I have to do something. I was terrified to hit 300 pounds. So at that doctor appointment, I was just mortified and I left and had no idea where to go from there. So I just started every diet known to man and just went up and down. You said that was when you were 23. How old are you now, if you don't mind saying? I'm 35 now. That would have been about 2007, I think, 2008, somewhere in there. Probably the end of 2007 because 2009 is when I lost the biggest amount. I got down to 190 pounds just doing fanatic dieting and extreme exercising. And it was, it was a really challenging time. It was the most obsessed I'd ever been with anything. And it was just awful. I was glad to be losing the weight, but it was just, it was disordered. It just consumed every part of my life. I just was terrified to gain weight back, but didn't know any better way to do it. And it, I had nothing else to do, but just focus on trying to lose weight. And it just consumed every minute of my life. It was awful. So from 2007 to 2009, you were able to lose about 100 pounds, but it didn't feel good. I I think all of us have that, that time of our lives when through true grit and determination, we were able to lose weight, but it felt awful. You know, the whole eat less, move more that we've been told is the only way to do it for so long really does take a toll on your psyche, right? It did. And it just took over every part of my day. I would be at work and I would be obsessed about instead of spending that time with my clients, building relationships with them, I was in my head thinking about now, when am I eating next? It's been two hours. I'm supposed to eat every two to three hours and I have more clients. So am I going to have a break to run and go eat my carrots and tablespoon of peanut butter before the next one? And It was just a terrible way to live when just completely food obsessed. You think, oh, I'm doing something good for myself and counting all these calories and watching all these points and checking off all the macros, but it just, it was horrible looking back at just how obsessed I was with all day long of what I was going to eat and when I was going to eat it. When you got down to 190, did you stay there or was it just kind of like, I give up? What happened? No, I didn't stay there very long. I went through some life changes and I moved. And then when I moved, I didn't have access to the gym that I had been going to. And I thought, well, I'm going to take some time off from the gym and kind of get resituated in life. And the weight just came right back on. Like as soon as I just gave in any kind of slack at all, it was just a little bit here, a little bit there. And within a year's time, I'd probably gain back 50 pounds. And then I just yo-yoed up and down from there. Yeah, that sounds like such a familiar and heartbreaking story for so many of us that that's the way it was for me. And really, it was right around the same time, 2009. I managed to, through some crazy diets, that was a HCG diet phase of mine that I went through. I got down to a lower weight, but then yo-yoed right back up right after that. 
Yeah, it's just terrible the way that goes. And then you just feel so defeated. And it just seems like you work so hard to get to the lower weight. It's like, I just will never be able to do that again. Yeah. And maintaining was always the hard part. Like I never grasped how hard maintaining was until I was having a conversation with my stepmother. And I'm like, this is at some point along the way. I was like, once I get there, you know, I just want to get there. And she's like, well, no, it's not getting there. That's hard. It's staying there. And I'm like, no, that's not true. But she was right. (laughs) I had never been able to maintain any weight loss for any amount of time whatsoever before fasting. I would lose weight. And then as soon as I would have the cheat day or the vacation weekend or whatever it was, I just was never able to get back on the wagon and the weight would just come right back on just as quick as it came off, if not faster. So in 2019, is that that's when you found intermittent fasting? I heard of it before. I've always been a big fan of Vinny Tortoridge. He has a podcast. He's a low carb guy. And he's had Dr. Fung on his podcast in the past within the last few years. And so I've heard him talk about fasting, but the idea of just going long periods of time without eating, I just was never on board with like, well, that's just not going to be for me. You just get so used to eating your little bitty meals all day long. And I like to eat. So I thought, well, that's not going to be the plan that's going to work for me. It's just not going to work. And I did try a couple of times here, there, but I didn't quite have a grasp on exactly how the timed eating worked. And so I I would just kind of push breakfast off till noon, but then I would still eat all of my meals after that. (laughs) Yeah. Some people do ask that. They're like, so when I'm doing intermittent fasting, do I take all the food I would normally eat in a day and eat it all within? Yeah. I'm like, well, no, that's not... (laughs) Not exactly. You know, you, your goal is to to not try to squeeze it all in. Your goal is to eat in a window and be satisfied. But we get that question a lot. So I think a lot of people really do think that they're supposed to, you know, hit a target of all the food you were eating, but now you're eating it in six hours or something. Right. And that's just not really going to work. <laughs> no, probably not. It was about the end of 2018 and the end of December. And I came down with a flu that had turned into a double pneumonia. And so I just was on the couch sick and had been on a couple rounds of prednisone that made me swell up and from the steroids and put back on the weight that I had recently lost doing low carb and things. And so I was just feeling so defeated and laying on the couch watching movies for like day four of not doing anything playing on my phone and found a post on a different Facebook group that I was on. And it was a guy named Sean who was posting a before and after picture of how he had been doing with fasting. And it was just amazing, a three or four month time span, how much weight he had lost. And I was like, how is that even possible? And so he's going on, he's talking about Dr. Fung. And I thought, well, if this just seems amazing, so maybe I should look into fasting a little bit more. And Since I was sick and had the time to lay on the couch and read a book, that's what I did. And I was like, well, in a couple days, it's going to be January 1st, and I'm going to go all in with this fasting thing. I love it. So it kept popping up. You kept hearing about it, and there it was again. So what book did you start with? Was it The Obesity Code? Yes, The Obesity Code. 
And I just kind of started browsing podcasts and just listening to any podcast I could find that had Dr. Fung on it. Because at that point in time, he was the only one I knew that did anything with fasting. Yeah, he was all over the place. And, and he's a great one to, to bring you into it because his explanations are fabulous. He's got such a way of putting it in simple terms and making it so we understand really what's going on in the body. That's one thing I love about him. Yeah, he does a good job of it. I'm from browsing podcasts, then I came across your two podcasts. And so I started listening to them as well. And from January and February, I did great following Dr. Fung's approach of the low carb keto style. And but it wasn't so much intermittent fasting as I was trying to do, you know, more 24 to 48 hour fast a couple times a week. And then just doing two to three meals a day without any snacking the rest of the days. So you were kind of doing like a loose 5-2. Is that what you would say with the two longer fasts per week plus the other days were just regular eating days? And not really structured. I was just, I didn't know what I was doing yet. I was just trying to figure it out. But I had the goal of doing longer fast at that point in time because a lot of Dr. Fung, his style is the longer you can fast at any given time, the better the results are going to be. So I was trying to work myself into longer fast, but I would just get so worked up emotionally before I would start it because the idea of going several days at a time without eating just almost gave me an anxiety attack. It was just such a stressful thought when you're going from so many meals a day to no food. It was just kind of overwhelming. I get what you mean because I've, I haven't done um, any kind of fast longer than, I mean, I haven't gone two overnight periods without eating since 2016, I think. So I haven't done any longer fast. I've considered just to see what it felt like to do one again, but I just, just like you, I was like, I don't want to. (laughs) So, I mean, I know I could. It was so intimidating in the beginning when you don't have your wheels under you yet. Right. You were doing well. Were you losing weight? Were you feeling better? I was. I lost a lot in January and February. Let's see. I started January 2nd. I weighed in at 225 pounds. And then by February 19th, I was down to 208. But then from February 19th to March 12th, I'd only lost four pounds, which is good, except when you're that heavy and you lose so much the first month and then you go down to one pound a week the second month is like, well, why isn't, you know, it's still just falling off like it was. Yeah. You, we want it to be faster. Yeah. Cause it starts at the beginning and it's so motivating and then it slows down and, you know, a pound a week is actually really good, but I, I know the feeling of wanting more because you're working so hard. It feels like you should be rewarded for it. Yeah. And during that time I was still doing like a really strict, keto approach without trying not to do any carbs and trying to stay just with, you know, meat and eggs. And so it was really aggravating that I wanted it to come off faster, but I still felt kind of stressed out. And keto just never really worked for me long term. I've done it so many times. It was one of the first diets I did when I was in my teens was the old fashioned Adkins. And, you know, it's like I would always lose weight in the beginning. And then once that initial chunk fell off, then I just could never lose anymore. 100%. 
That's how it was for me. Every time. But I kept coming back to it too. That's what's so funny because people are like, yeah, it works. And then they do it and it does. But then I keep trying it and it never worked for me. I've always had a lot of issues with inflammation, which now I think is a lot to do with what I was eating, but I didn't see the correlation so much when I was younger. But doing keto, I would always lose a lot of water weight and the inflammation would go down and I'd always feel good, but I couldn't get the weight off with it. And when you're dieting, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I feel fine, but really I just want the pounds to go. So it just would get so frustrating. Right. Did you switch that up? I did. In the middle of March, my middle daughter, her birthday is March 15th. And I always do, you know, like the big family birthday parties and I bake them all a fancy cake and make their favorite meals and all that. And she always hated when I would be on a diet because she's just the one that wants me to eat whatever she's eating and kind of make an event around it. And she's like, you're not going to eat at my birthday party. And I was like, well, I will, but I'm just not going to eat the chips and the carby things. <laughs> and she's like, well, that's ridiculous. And I was like, well, you know. <laughs> How old was she at that point? She was turning 12. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds like a 12-year-old. <laughs> she was just aggravated at the thought that I wasn't going to eat her birthday cake. And I'm like, well, why do you care what I eat? But <laughs> I was getting defensive with her. Then one day I was out on a walk and I was listening to your podcast and I had been listening to it for quite a while, but I was still in the mindset of, well, I have to be low carb to fast and to lose weight. And I was just listening to the fasting stories and different people telling their stories. I'm like, well, they're eating carbs and losing weight. So I'm going to go try this daily eating window. And I was doing a little bit of a dirty fast with doing the longer fast, I was doing bone broth and pickle juice. And I was still sneaking in some artificial sweeteners, which were always my favorite, those little pink packets. And I was like, if I do the clean fast for shorter amounts of time, then maybe that'll balance out eating carbs. (laughs) And I was trying to justify this in my head. And I was like, well, whatever, it's her birthday. So that's a good day to just switch over and give it a try. And so I did. And I just timed out my window to be during her birthday party and I ate the tacos at her Mexican buffet and had the cake and just a little bit of cake and ice cream because I hadn't had carbs in a while. So I didn't want to upset my system too much, but I was like, okay, close the window, cross my fingers and hope for the best. And I expected to get on the scale the next morning and see it go up because I ate carbs, (laughs) but I was floored because when I weighed in the next morning, I was down over a pound, about a pound and a half or so. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how in the world is this? I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I ate carbs and I lost weight. It was like the best day of my life. Sometimes people wonder how that could happen. Actually, what you said before, the the gaining weight after reintroducing carbs, a lot of people do gain about four pounds after reintroducing carbs because water retention comes along with increased glycogen stores. But also we do see the opposite happen, which sounds like what happened here. Our bodies need excess water to process the carbs. So what likely happened here is your body pulled out water from where it was hiding and then used it to process the carbs. And then you had a whoosh Yeah, that's about what happened. But it was also the first day that I actually clean fasted as well. Ah, 
that's very cool. I wish I knew like what my fast hour was that day, but I want to say I, it was a shorter window, probably two to three hours just for the time of the party. So I probably had about a 20 hour fast that day of clean fasting and then ate at the party and then closed the window up for the day. And then boom, the scale was down. Yeah. At that point, I I think that's about when around that time is when I downloaded the window app and started tracking the window more than the fast. And that was really helpful too, just to really keep track of when I'm actually eating and what times work best for me and how long I really need to eat. And I've found that I do better with a shorter window because when I started, I had, I would keep about a five hour window. That was just kind of the standard on the app if you didn't adjust your settings. So I thought, well, that's a good place to start. But I would eat until I was pretty full when my window would open. And then five hours later, things had settled. And it wasn't so much that I was hungry, but my window was about to close. So it's like, what can I cram in now before the window closes? So I realized pretty quickly that I just need to eat until I'm full, be satisfied, and then close my window for the day. And that's just always worked best for me. I think that is really a great way to to approach it because I've I've been the same way. You know, when I when he first made window for me, it was 2016 and it was when I was switching from more of a 4-3 approach to the daily eating window and I realized I wanted the daily eating window to be my lifetime approach. That's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so he made the app for me and you're right. I would find that towards the end cuz I would have it set for 5 hours just like you said as it got to the end of the five, I'm like, all right, I still can eat some. (laughs) I have time in my window. And then I realized don't eat just because your window is still open, but it's a progression. We figure that out over time. It takes so much time just to get used to not eating. And that's kind of the biggest thing that took the longest for me to get used to is just that habit. I didn't realize how much I was eating in terms of just a little peck here and a little bite there and walk by. And especially with kids, there's always stuff sitting out on the counter. You know, they'll make some pizza rolls and put their plate up on the counter and there's two left. And it's like, well, you know, what's two pizza rolls? That's not very many calories. It's not going to add up. And then you go to put dinner away at the end of the night and wash the dishes. And as you're packing stuff up into the leftover containers, grab a little bite here and a little bite there. And you know, it's just unnecessary. You've already eaten and had a full meal and now just picking just to pick and sit down and watch TV with the kids. And one has candy on her lap over here and one has a bowl of popcorn on her lap over there. And you don't realize how much you're just reaching to grab something just to preoccupy your hands. I think a lot of us relate to that. Having the window closed, you're like, okay, my window is closed, really helps you to connect with how many times we did just grab something. I'm the same exact way, you know, oh, just a little bit. It's not a big deal. But I also think those little grabs keep you on that blood sugar roller coaster. When you're constantly in the fed state and you're having this little bit, your blood sugar, you eat, your blood sugar goes up, insulin is released, your blood sugar goes back down, and then you're hungry again. And it just keeps going. So all those little tastes really just keep us constantly hungrier. That's That's at least how it is for me. Yeah, me too. And I just never realized 
how much of an overeater I was. And people would say, I don't know how you're so overweight. You really don't eat that much. Because when I would be around people and I wasn't eating four plates at a buffet every day, but it was just 24 hours a day, just constantly snacking and grazing and still having three standard meals in the day, but also thousands of calories of one bite at a time all throughout the day, it just adds up. And you don't realize because you're not sitting down to eat it, you don't realize how much you're just popping in your mouth. That is, I really think that is key for a lot of us. Yeah. And that's why the window gives us such great structure because, you know, you have a smaller window. Mine is usually anywhere from two to six hours these days. Yesterday it was six. The day before it was really short because I was busy. So it kind of balances out. But yeah, when it's longer, you just keep munching sometimes and it's hard to hard to stop. So that shorter window can really just kind of help you not do that mindless eating. Well, I was just going to say the structure is I think what helps me the most and your whole life, you're just are so used to eating all the time. And I've always kind of compared it to somebody that had a drug problem, which I've never been one that's ever had any kind of addiction. I've never had a problem with drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, addictions, just nothing I've ever had to deal with. But when it comes to eating, I've never been able to get it under control in any way. And I always correlated that with somebody that had an addiction. And it's like, if you're using drugs, you can just stop using drugs and you still have to deal with the mental side of that. But if you don't have drugs, you're not on drugs. But with food, you have to eat to live. There's no getting around that. And so with fasting, it just kind of gives me that balance of I eat every day, I have my window, I eat nutritious food that my body needs, and then I'm just done eating for the day. And it's like, I just don't eat now. (laughs) And it's just really given me that structure that I never really thought was possible before. Do you still use an app at all to help you with that? Not really, because I'm kind of on my schedule naturally these days. I'm still subscribed to the app. So I still get updates from it every day. And the last update on it reminds you to drink more water. And I love that because I don't drink a whole lot when I'm in the fasted state. I just don't really feel thirsty. I drink a lot of water when I'm in the fed state. After I eat, I'll be thirsty for a while and I'll drink quite a bit of water for the next couple hours. But then the rest of the day, I don't ever drink very much because I just don't ever feel thirsty. So it's kind of nice now I'll get updates every once in a while on the app that says, hey, remember to drink some water. I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, we're no longer affiliated with the app. You probably knew that because Cal sold it in the spring of 2019. But I will always love the app and have a soft spot because that's the app he made for his mama. (laughs) I always will love it. And I'm, I'm so I'm glad people are still using it. That makes me really happy to hear. The reason we're so thirsty after we eat is what I I mentioned earlier, that our body uses water to process carbs. So we're thirsty because our body's like, all right, we're processing this food. Digestion needs a lot of, of fluid to go along with it. And that's why people see that whoosh effect after having, you know, a bigger meal when they haven't had one for a while. So you reintroduced carbs and how has your weight loss been since you did that in March of 2015? And and what foods are you choosing? So let's kind of explore both of those areas. Okay. Well, with the daily eating window, it just, my weight really steadily 
went down a pound to two pounds a week, just pretty steadily all summer till the fall. And then I got down to around 170 and then things kind of slowed off from there. Well, I'd say like October, November. And I, you know, I really wasn't pushing it though. And I was kind of enjoying being able to kind of level down a little bit. I would tell people I'm kind of practicing maintenance right now. Like I wasn't necessarily trying to lose more. And I was playing around with my windows a little bit more during that time. And I was having longer windows and trying to switch over from a morning window to an evening window. I was pretty much a morning window all summer. And then when school started in September, I kind of liked the idea of having dinner in the evenings with the kids once school started and I wasn't seeing them all day. So I was just really playing around with windows and I never gained any weight back, but the weight loss kind of stalled, but I was happy with it because it was the first time I'd really ever been able to maintain a weight. I'd always been gaining weight or losing weight. There was never in the middle. So from October, November, and December, I just kind of tried to stay about the same. If I would go up a pound or two, then I would tighten the window down for a couple days. And then when I would get down back to standard, then I would kind of play with windows a little bit more. And it was just amazing to get through all of the holidays from the Halloween candy to Thanksgiving to Christmas without gaining weight. It was just the most amazing thing I'd ever been through. I love that. And also the fact that you were maintaining at around the 170 range versus before when you had dieted your way down to 190, but only stayed there for a very brief time before rebounding. So now you're 20 pounds less than that and able to maintain. I really think that's huge. People do get stuck on plateaus and sometimes get really frustrated with it, but may lose sight of the fact that, hey, this is the first time I'm not skyrocketing back up, which is really huge. Well, since January, since the beginning of January, I've kind of set new goals for this year where it's not so much about weight loss, but more about being more fit and active and joined a gym. And I try not to overdo it at the gym because I don't, I don't want to get, you know, obsessive about anything. So I go twice a week. My youngest one is four and she goes to preschool Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I go to the gym twice a week and Some days I do cardio and some days I do some weights and I've tightened the windows back up since January and I've gone down another 10 pounds. Well, that's great. And by the way, for people who are wondering, we're recording this in early March. So from January to early March, you've gone down about 10 pounds. That's about a a pound a week, right? Yeah. So right now I'm kind of hovering around every day, you know, I fluctuate quite a bit. So between 160 and 165. Today, I was about 162. But this week, I've done a lot more weight training. And whenever I do weights, I notice that the scale moves up quite a bit. I I guess that's probably like water retention from sore muscles and everything. I watch the average and the fluctuations don't freak me out anymore. Like they did the first six months. Now I just kind of laugh at it like, oh, I must have had a good workout because I'm really swollen. <laughs> right. That's such a good way of looking at it. I was. This is how crazy I was. When I was trying to get to my initial goal weight of 135, this is in 2015, 
And I was starting to do a little more, like I got the vibration plate and I was standing on that and using that and I, you know, supposed to, you know, build muscle. And I'm like, wait a minute though, if I build muscle, my, I won't lose weight and I don't want to do that. And I was like, that is really so stupid. <laughs> but that's what I was, you know, I was so caught up in what that number on the scale said, man, I've come a long way in five years. But at that time, I mean, I swear, I think if someone had said you could get to your goal weight, but lose a lot of muscle, I'd been like, okay, sign me up for that. I just wanted to see that number on the scale. I was crazy. Right. I'd give somebody my liver if I meant I'd lose 30 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, ooh, it says 125 on the scale. Fabulous. You know, forget right. about the fact that I just chopped my leg off, you know. Right. It was only about the scale number. So it's it's amazing to have that mental shift and the fact that you say, "All right, I worked out, retaining water in my muscles, moving on with your day." Yeah, and the number on the scale just doesn't affect me the way it used to. I just don't get upset about it. And, you know, I do try to pay attention. Like if it's up and like, okay, is that because I did work out harder than I had been? And so maybe I'm a little bit swollen where I'm retaining a little bit of water. Or did I eat something yesterday that I might want to not eat again because it's not reacting well with me? Or did I have a longer window where I just maybe ate more than I should have? Paying attention and making adjustments more than being freaked out. And I don't have that panic of, oh God, the scale's going up and it's just going to keep going up and I'm never going to be able to get out from underneath it. I don't have that anymore the way that I used to. And now it's more just data. I just like to see the number just whether it's up or whether it's down, it's just kind of part of my routine. I just hop on in the morning, you know, put it in the app and go on about my day. I love that. You are about 130 pounds down from your heaviest. Yes, which is amazing to think about now. I just can't even imagine. And my 12-year-old, she's active and kind of crazy. And so she'll try to like climb up on my shoulders and we horse play quite a bit and we like to watch wrestling. So we'll try to throw each other around. And I'll pick her up and she'll be on my back and I'll be like, gosh, she's small for 12. She's a hundred pounds even. And it's like, I can't imagine carrying around another hundred pounds. I'll walk, take a few steps around the living room before I toss her on the couch. And I'm like, I can't believe that I walked around like this all day, every day. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. No wonder I was so sore, tired, and crabby all the time. I mean, it's just amazing to think of how much weight that is, just in terms of carrying it. Yeah, after I lost about 75 pounds, this was probably maybe fall of 2015 or so. So I was down 75 pounds at that point, and I was with students. I had like four gifted girls in the classroom. They were working on a special project, and so we were – it was a more casual classroom environment – than a whole class full of kids. And the girls, one of the girls said, you know, I noticed you've lost some weight. (laughs) These were fifth grade girls. I'm like, well, yes, I have. And we started talking about that and that I'd lost 75 pounds. And one of the girls said, I weigh 75 pounds. So I picked her up and started carrying her around. And just like you said, I was like, oh, good Lord. How could I have Carried this ever. I mean, we, you know, I told the story in Delay Don't Deny of how I was going up the Mayan ruins and I was 210 pounds and it felt so miserable. I couldn't have carried that girl up the Mayan ruins. No, you'd have a heart attack and have a heat stroke. <laughs> but I was carrying my my big body up there. And it really is astonishing how different it feels. And we forget. It really is. It's just crazy. And then I do measurements monthly. I try to remember to do it every month. And it is just astonishing to me at the inches that I've lost. And when I take the tape measure and pull it out to the inches that it used to be, it's like, how is that even possible that I was that round? And it just really, it's a good visual. And it's just astonishing to me that I took up that much space. (laughs) Right, right. Now, how is your skin bouncing back? Do you have three kids? Is that what you said? Well, I do have three girls, but my older two are adopted. So I've only carried one baby. Okay. But you've been pregnant and you've lost 130 pounds. So your skin, what's it doing? I gained a lot of weight really fast after high school into my early 20s. My skin was really stretched before I ever had the baby. So I had the stretch marks and everything beforehand. I want to say my skin is better now after losing weight this time than it was when I had lost it the first time. When I got down to 190 pounds, I had a lot more loose skin than I have this time at 170, even though I had gained quite a bit before I started losing. My arms are still my problem area. And I don't think though, I'll never have supermodel tight toned arms, but I've lost over six inches off each arm. 
And a lot of that, I think, has been as much skin as it is anything else. So I have faith that they're going to improve over time. Yeah, I think so. We hear, of course, you know, Jason Fung talks about this. He says that in his practice, people that are losing over 100 pounds, he never has had to refer anyone for skin removal surgery, thanks to autophagy and the way that during the, the clean fast, particularly, our bodies are able to break down old junky proteins. And excess skin is an old junky protein. If you think about it, we don't need that. Our bodies can recognize we don't need it. And we're able to access it, break it down, recycle it, use it for something else. It really is astonishing. I believe it. And I, I've seen some pretty good results so far. And I was wearing, you know, like in a standard everyday t-shirt, a double XL, because if I wore an extra large, it would be too tight in my arms. And now I can just grab a medium t-shirt and have plenty of room in the arms And it's the first time I've ever lost weight proportionately. I would always be thinner through the waist, but then my arms and legs would just be proportionately larger than everything else. And that's been the biggest thing that I've seen is just my fat stored areas depleting faster than areas where I wouldn't necessarily want to lose as much. I've never been able to lose, like I've always had like the back fat rolls, which are, you know, unpleasant to talk about, but I just had like in a standard bra, it would just like cut me in half. I would just have the roll above and the roll below and, you know, it's behind you. So you're not looking at it all the time, but then in a picture, it's like, oh my gosh, how, how is that like that? Is that what everybody sees all day long? And within the first couple months of fasting, that was the first place that I lost weight from was my back. And it was when I would do the measurements, it was just astonishing to me at how much was coming off the bra line. I couldn't believe the inches that were coming off of there, but my bust size never changed. And I'm like, where, how, where is this coming from? How is this tape measure going in so small? And it's like, I didn't realize how much. I was storing excess weight in my back, which is crazy to think about because it's just nothing I really ever thought about before. (laughs) Well, over time, expect that it's going to come from all those places too. When I first got down to my goal size, my initial goal of 135, I was still wearing, I was probably a 36 double D at that point. At one point I had been a triple D, but I think I was a a 36 double D that then turned into a 34 double D, then turned into a 34 D, then a 32 D, and now I'm a 32 C. So I've continued to lose in that area over the years. So now 32 C, it's kind of sad, but it is what it is. (laughs) But expect that, like I invested in a whole lot of expensive bras and then continued to get smaller. Right. So, <laughs> it's like, well, now what do I do with these? <laughs> yeah. Don't invest in a lot of expensive bras, <laughs> even if you feel like this is where I'm going to be, because my body's continued to take that excess from those areas. That's just a little tip. And by the way, I thought about my favorite bra. They are not a sponsor. They don't even know I exist. But have you ever tried Soma Vanishing Back Bras? No. I should get them to sponsor me because I love them. Soma Vanishing Back they're really good about smoothing the bra line. Because even when you're small, 
you can still have the ridges with the tighter fitting shirts. And and it makes, even though, you know, I'm slim, it looks like I have back fat if I wear the wrong bra. Yeah, because it just shows the lines. <laughs> I, but I'm crazy about Soma. So the Soma vanishing back. I love their vanishing underwear. Like I said, this is not a sponsored drop-in. I just really like them. This is just Jen sharing something she loves. Yeah, the last time I did my measurements was February 20th. So, well, roughly two weeks ago. And from January 1st to then, I've lost 18 inches on my bust line. I kind of go under the bust, you know, like what your bra band would be. And it's just crazy to think about how much 18 inches really is. If you just pull a tape measure out and put it around at 18 inches, it just is insane to think that in a year's time. Wow. So from a year and a few months, you've lost 18 inches around your bust line area. Mm-hmm. That is really amazing. I mean, I I have photos of me when I was on that same trip, that same cruise where I was so heavy and I was standing in the pool and one of my sons, I took the picture and I remember being in the pool with my bathing suit and I swear my boobs were as big as my head in that photo. I mean, they were. You look at my head, you look at my boobs and I'm like, my boobs were head sized. (laughs) Now they're C. So (laughs) there's hope, everybody. (laughs) I had a C-section with my daughter and... I call it like a ring of inflammation where it just never went down. And it's like from my belly button, it was like an inflatable tire donut that just went all the way around from like hip to hip. And it just stuck out underneath my belly button from the C-section, like to right below my belly button. And I don't know if it was from scar tissue or something that irritated it and caused like inflammation or fluid to kind of build up in that area. But it just always irritated me and it just never went down. And my doctor said, Oh, it'll go down, you know, after just take some time. And you know, so I'm like, okay, six weeks after she's born, eight weeks, six months, a year, and it would just kind of come and go and I would just store like almost like fluid there. And as soon as I started fasting, it just automatically just flattened out right away. I mean, I still have, you know, like a mommy belly, but the inflammation is just gone. And I've lost almost 20 inches from right underneath my belly button. Wow. That's huge. That's astonishing. You've got to just feel so much better in your body, moving through the day, working with your clients. Oh yeah. Just the joint pain and carpal tunnel. I've had carpal tunnel issues for years on end and doing hair. It's a lot of tedious finger work and I haven't had any major flare ups of any joints in a long time. I used to have a plantar fasciitis. I'd get up in the morning and couldn't hardly step on the floor. I'd like hobble to grab onto a dresser or something because my feet just hurt so bad. Just that nerve pain and it's just gone within months. It's been so long since I've had any flare-ups at all of the plantar fasciitis. I mean, it's just been completely gone. The carpal tunnel is, I mean, I don't even notice it in my day-to-day life. I'd have to like really sit and think of when's the last time my hands hurt. I would wake up in the mornings and it would be a couple hours before I could really even use my hands some days that I would just have just such intense nerve pain and inflammation in my hands, I could barely grab, I'd have to take two hands to hold my coffee cup in the morning because I just didn't feel like 
my fingers would be able to hold the handle of a coffee cup until I'd get up and start moving them around. And it's just gone now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So, you know, decreased inflammation and also the weight of on your feet. I'm sure that's made a big difference. Any other health benefits like have you from the doctor's office? Any what are they saying about it? Well, they're just ecstatic to see the numbers on the scale come down. In the last few years, I've just been on one diet after another. So I haven't had any like real bad numbers when my blood work or anything other than the inflammation numbers are like always off the chart. And they're like, well, you know, we're not sure what's causing that. It's this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay. But they had me tested for arthritis and different things. And I never had any of the markers for any of that. So they're like, it's what you're eating and how much you're eating and your weight. Let's work on getting your weight down. And, you know, that's just such a nerve wracking conversation to have with the doctors over and over again. And I would count calories. I have an app on my phone that's the it's called lose it i knew you were gonna say that i have that app too (laughs) yeah i don't use it but it's still there probably yeah i use it occasionally if i just kind of not to count the calories anymore but more to track my foods if i'm just wanting to see like what i'm eating and just for kind of curiosity sake sometimes i'll do that for a week or two just to kind of get a baseline of what i'm eating but It goes back to about 2010, I think, is when I first started using that app. I bought the paid for app, not the free version. So I can actually go all the way back to 2010 and over the years, see all the different diets that I've been on and all the different foods that I've followed for this diet and that diet. And in the last couple of years, I used it not so much since I've been fasting, but right before I started fasting for that year, I was using it consistently and trying to stay under calorie. And it's like, if I would stay at 1200 calories a day, I would not gain weight, but I would have to be pretty much under a thousand calories a day to lose weight. And then 
arguing with the doctors about, well, how many calories should I be eating? And what should I be eating? And how should I be eating? Because I'm not losing weight. And I'm frustrated. And I'm angry that I'm on a diet. And I'm not, it's just frustrating to be on a diet and not getting results. And then them looking at you like you're crazy, like, well, but if you're only eating a 1000 calories a day, you should be tiny. And it's like, yeah, I know. Why aren't I? <laughs> exactly. And and I think a lot of people have had that same frustrating conversation with their doctors because you're like, I could not possibly make myself eat less food than I'm eating, doctor. They're like, well, it should be working. It's just math. Right. But at 12 and 1400 calories a day, I would be eating them all day long and then trying to find the lower calorie foods so I could eat more of the lower calorie foods more often there were times where I was surviving on 100 calorie packs. Oh, yeah. 100 calories of cookies first thing in the morning with coffee with cream and sweetener for lunch, chicken breast, and then some more 100 calorie cookies and diet soda and diet soda all day long and right. sweeteners Me too. all day long. I want to say that's probably my favorite thing that I've done since started fasting is getting off of my pink sweeteners. I have been a pink sweetener addict and I would buy the big box of 250 and go through it in less than a month and have to go buy a second box to get through till the next month and just constantly just diet soda and pink sweeteners. And now the thought of putting a pink sweetener in my coffee makes my stomach turn. Right. Well, I'm so glad I've got here. I'm sitting here with my black coffee right now, in fact, because we're recording in the morning. So I'm drinking my black coffee. But what you said before about those counting the little calorie packs, I really ate so much processed foods back in the counting calorie days because it was so easy to count them. Yes, me too. I don't really eat stuff out of a box. I've We eat a lot better now, better quality. I go to the local butcher. I have friends that farm. So I'll buy a whole hog and just stock the freezer or go to the butcher shop and do monthly bundles, get all of our meat from there. And we eat a lot better now and nothing out of a box, fresh foods. And it just does a lot better. If I want bread, I'll bake bread. If I want ice cream, we'll make ice cream. Haven't done that in a while. I need to (laughs) just doing everything If I want it, I make it, and then I don't feel bad about eating it. Did that happen gradually over time? Did you make a a decision to do it, or or was it just something that just kind of happened on its own? Kind of gradual, but also I found that I like cooking in the fasted state because I eat mostly in the mornings. I like to have a morning window, so then in the evening, if I'm thinking about food, then whatever I want, I'll just make it. And then I'm like, well, I can eat it tomorrow. And (laughs) it's just something to do to keep my hands busy, I think too. And I try not to just lounge around too much because then you're kind of thinking about food too. And I like cooking and my kids like to be in the kitchen with me. So it's just kind of something that we do together. I love that. And your kids are seeing such a fabulous model of of how to eat real food, eat when you're you know, you're hungry, stop when you've had enough, and you're teaching them all of that now. It's really been the best because they've seen me do every different diet. And it's frustrating for them when we're sitting down to eat and I'm eating something different than what they're eating. 
And that bothered them. I'm not sure why, but they never liked it. So they would rather I just sit at the table in the evening when they're eating. I'll sit and drink coffee or I'll drink my bubble water or have a cup of decaf tea. And most of the time, they don't even notice that I'm not eating. It took a while, I think, before anybody even realized I wasn't eating. Because when we sit down to eat, it's, Mom, I need a butter knife. Mom, will you get me a drink? Mom, I forgot this and that. And where's the ketchup? Where's the ranch? And you're getting up from the table to serve everybody else. And so then when I would sit down, as long as I was still preparing the food and serving them, they never realized I wasn't eating. It took a while. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny, but I get it. Now you're here sharing with the world, but in your everyday life, do you share intermittent fasting with people? I do. Since I work with the public, I've had so many people come in. They're like, oh, how are you losing weight? You look great. And they'll come in every couple months to get their hair done. And so it's a little bit more noticeable for them to see me than people I see every day. I'm just quick to tell everybody I'm, I don't have any concerns about it. If they don't, if they're not interested, then I'll just kind of change the subject. But I'm more than happy to tell everybody. And I've had so many clients and friends and family in my everyday life that have started fasting and have had just the most amazing results. It's just been, that's been one of the bigger blessings of it is just to see everybody else do so well with it too. That's what, that's what I think too. And that's why I encourage everyone to share without fear, just because there will be people who are not receptive. There'll be people who maybe ridicule it or tell you you're crazy or that you're ruining your metabolism. And you don't have to defend fasting to people like that and just say, okay, maybe it's not for you. Change the subject. It's not going to be something everyone's receptive to, but you did plant a seed. Maybe one day they'll circle back and be ready to try it, even though you know they were one of the biggest naysayers at the beginning. But when we plant those seeds, we never know who's listening. That's true. And my favorite thing to tell people is it's free. You don't have to buy anything. Like, yes, there's some books, but Dr. Fung and Jen Stevens both have everything you need to know out there on the internet for free. If you don't want to buy their book, you don't have to. But <laughs> Listen I to the podcast. The book, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I mean, get the book because it's all the information is condensed down. But if you really don't want to buy the book, you don't have to. And it's free. There's no food to buy. There's nothing. Just you don't have to join my team or, you know. Right. <laughs> it's just so yeah, easy. Just, it is. It really is. Well, we are getting to the end of our time together. So I like to close by asking, what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting? Or is there anything you wish you knew when you had first started? My favorite thing to tell people is just practice fasting. And it's kind of one of Dr. Fung's little sayings is, Fasting is practice, not perfection. And it's so true. Just practice. Keep it clean. And just every day, just try a little harder. If it, if you have a bad day and go off the wagon, tomorrow is a great day to fast again. And it just takes getting used to. But once you get used to it, it's just so easy. Uh-huh. That's it. It's it's like riding the bike. You're going to fall down a bunch of times at first, skin your knees. And, uh, you know, imagine an adult who's never ridden a bike. It might be hard to try to ride the bike at first. But eventually you're riding the bike and you're not even thinking about it. Just be patient and give yourself some time. When I first started, I said from day one going into it, I'm going to give this a year. I'm going to give myself one year to figure this out and make it work. 
And as long as I end the year weighing less than I started the year, I will be happy. Just taking that pressure off, I think, helped too to not be like, this isn't going to be a quick fix. This is going to be a long-term solution. And I think taking that pressure off just really just helped me too. Well, I love that too. That's a, I really wish everyone would have that same approach and see it as you're experimenting with what works for you. You thought you needed to be low carb to see the results you were looking for, but you then experimented and realized you didn't have to be and that you were able to be more open with your food choices. And someone else might find the opposite. They may find that they do need to be more low carb, but it's all your body and figuring it out and trying different things, seeing how you feel. You have the rest of your life to figure it out. Yeah, it's true. And one day at a time, just work on it. And going into it, I thought clean fasting was just a little ridiculous. And it's like, well, if I can lose weight with artificial sweetener, why would I give it up? But then giving it up just made it so much easier. And even now, you know, with the flavored teas and things that it's not even artificial sweetener or anything sweet, but just having those extra spices in it. My favorite tea used to be constant comment. But if I'm really fasted and I try to drink that now, I'll be hungry. And it's like, well, this isn't working for me. So why would I drink it? Yeah. And people don't realize in the new book, Fast Feast Repeat, that's coming out. Gosh, by the time your episode airs, it'll be out next week. So everyone listening, please pre-order if you haven't. But I have something called the Clean Fast Challenge for people who are hesitant to give up those favorite things and feel like it couldn't possibly be making a difference. I have the Clean Fast Challenge for people to try it, give it up, and then later introduce it back and realize, oh, it makes more of a difference than I thought. Well, Betsy, I have really enjoyed talking to you today. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I had a great time. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.